Thompson with seven to shoot, a minute 10 to go in the game. Warriors up seven. Clay, dribble drive, throws out to Curry, steps to his left, takes the three, got it! 122-112, Warriors. Now back to 95-7, the game. Night-night, Steph Curry's night-night moment from the end of game two. It's Whitey Gleason, Kyle Madsen, 95-7, the game. Uh, John Dickinson, bottom of the hour from Dallas, will tip off Warriors Live. Uh, interesting, Kyle, as we discussed here, Steve Kerr was talking to reporters yesterday about Steph and the night-night gesture and he said, uh, what's notable is I don't think we've run into any opponents who seem to mind it. I think Steph, the way he carries himself, the way he handles being on the other end of that kind of stuff, he realizes it's all part of the game. Players are going to trash talk during the game. They're going to have their theatrics. Somebody on the text line mentioned Steph turns away from the opposition when he does that. So maybe that's why it's not you know, technically taunting. But it is interesting. You, you mentioned earlier Ja Morant on Twitter kind of paid homage to that. I'm sure it doesn't feel good when it happens to you, but teams seem to accept it, I think, in part because of who's doing it to them. Yeah, I think that has to do with it. And when when Memphis was doing the the whoop that trick thing, you know, mm -hmm. Steph stands there in the middle of the floor and he's got a smile on his face. Like you said, he gets it. And this isn't mm -hmm. a, is it, you know, quote unquote disrespectful? Like, yeah, to, to an extent, but like that's the point. Like, all yeah, trash talk yeah. has that little tinge of quote-unquote disrespect, but disrespect in, like, a fun way. You know, he's not... Mm -hmm. it, it, there's there's so there's so many, la like, layers to it. And there's, there's such a, like, you know, quote-unquote art to trash talking. But I think a big part of it is if you're going to dish it, you have to be able to take it. And Steph can take it. And I think that's why nobody really has a problem with him also dishing it. Don't you think in some ways that's probably been difficult for Steve Kerr to adjust to? And he's a smart guy, and I'm sure he has. But him being old school, I remember hearing stories about Bomel when he managed your A's, and they used to do the home run tunnels. And I, my understanding is, you know, he wasn't necessarily crazy about that stuff at first. But it's like, okay, it's different now. I get it, and it's that's the way our team handles things. But I'll bet you that's been uh, an adjustment for Steve Kerr. Yeah, maybe maybe a little bit. I just don't know. I, I, I think you would have a hard time as a coach garnering sure. the respect of your players sure. if you said, Hey, that, that thing you're that fun thing you're doing, knock it off. Right. And if a team right. has a if a team has a problem with it, like you'll see it. There'll be like a hard foul for Steph or something. But <laughs> this has been ha dude, this has been happening since twenty when, when did Steph shimmy in the garden? Twenty thirteen when he had the when he had the the sixty one at MSG. Mm -hmm. or 50, 51, 61, however many it was. But um, I guess it wasn't 61. Whenever, whatever he had at MSG. And people were going, oh, if that was back in this day, he would have gotten a hard foul. Like, cool, man. Great. Like, good good <laughs> job. Guess what? He's not going to now. The game's different. It is. The league is different. Instead of going, man, we're going to foul him hard. You have players like John Morant, who Steph just helped knock out of the playoffs, going, going. oh, that's kind of that's kind of cool. You know? Wasn't there a – yeah. A moment when Mark Jackson was still coaching the Warriors when he, early in his run, and Houston was threatening to set a record for threes, and Mark Jackson was upset because no one fouled or somebody on the Warriors uh, fouled a three-point shooter hard because Mark Jackson. It that was the way. He was I have to double check on that. I don't have my ducks in a row uh, on that. But on the text line here, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seventy. 
Uh, let's see here. If KD, Poole, and Franz Wagner were available in the same draft, Whitey would take KD third. Now I trade the pick. I trade the. I, <laughs> I, I, I would. I would trade trade that pick from the five one zero. Clay doesn't need to shoot a ton of threes. He needs to refrain from taking bad threes and get a better shot for his teammates. Yeah, I think that's right. We can agree on that. He struggled with that when he first came back, and he's made mm-hmm. great strides in getting better in that way. And this is interesting too, Kyle from the four zero eight. Remember when Iggy said it was disrespectful? By the way, it's disrespectful to call him Iggy. He doesn't like that. Remember when Iguodala said it was disrespectful to the legacy of the veterans for Warriors management to try to thread the needle on the present and the future and not bring in a vet to win now? Hasn't aged well. Another reason why I and I think a lot of Warriors fans are tired of Iguodala's act. Ooh. Huh. Okay. I do remember that. At this point, yeah. Well, at this point... Iguodala is hopefully he'll get to play again. He may not. This is the end of the line for him. He was speaking on behalf of his teammates. I think that went a long ways towards, you know, his, his, uh, some of his teammates going, thank you for saying that. And the team did what they needed to do. And I think the proof's in the pudding. The fact that Poole and Wiggins have come in and supplied the, the type of impact that I think the Warrior veterans were hoping they'd get from going out and getting Bradley Beal or something. I think that that's that's all it needs to be said. It's like, okay, we're winning. We just wanted to win. However we did it. We didn't think this would work. We wanted to win, and we're winning, so we have no problems with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, that's that's what ultimately everything comes down to, right? As long as you're winning, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I think so. So if the Warriors win this year, Kyle, if they do, long ways to go. They're up 2-0 in this series, I know. But... Um, if they win this, and then the next round, who knows? Uh, Boston probably, right? Well, I don't know. Would this be, in your opinion, the the most significant championship for the Warriors uh, of all their championships with this group? Mm. This would be the, like the crowning achievement. I'll tell you why I think it would it, be. Yeah, go ahead. And, and I know it's hard to say it. We don't know how it would happen. But I, I had this discussion with um, – Ray Ratto, and he was saying, no, there's, you know, Ray, no matter what I said, he's going to, no. You know, if I said, boy, I don't think it would feel good to get poked in the eye with, a, with, a, with scissors, he'd go, no, you're wrong. It'd be great. So I get that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he said, no, the first one is always the biggest. And I understand that. He says there's never, for teams that win more than one, there's never anything quite yeah. like the first one. And I get that. But I just think given what they did and then 73 wins, they don't win, they get Durant. And he's here, and some people have been a little bit um, dismissive of the championships they won when he was here. So to go through that, him to leave, then to go through two years of figuring out what the hell they're doing, then to win this year at, as they're older, my guess would be that for the core guys, for them, this would be the sweetest of the championships. Yeah, I think so. In the post-KD era, for sure. Like, the fact that that Kevin Durant comes over, and they win the two titles that, that he's healthy for. And then he leaves. And there was this thought that, oh, okay, well, they only won in 2015 because Kyrie Irving got hurt and Kevin Love was hurt. And then they lose in 2016. Then they got Durant. It's like this would be the title where it's like you can't – nothing counts anymore. Like they did it again. And they mm-hmm. did it when everybody thought they were washed. They won 15 games two years ago. You know, Steph was hurt and, and Draymond didn't play a lot and Clay didn't play, obviously, but they want that's where they were at. And then they lose in the play in last year, and it was like, man, this team's probably like 
there was a thought that hey, the Warriors are, are probably done. Um, at least at least winning championships. But then they come back and you know Steph is is good and and Clay comes back and he's he's playing pretty well and Draymond looks a little bit more like his old self into the into the end of the season in the playoffs and they're getting other contributions from Otto Porter and Gavon Looney and Andrew Wiggins takes this jump. It's just so many things had to go right that I think you know I don't want to say they weren't a contender to start the year. But there were just so many points at this year that it's like, man, there's a lot of teams that are that are better than them right now. Right. On and the that was never here, the case in 2015. From the 510, yes, because it would be without KD. I understand that point. Uh, my guess is that, you know, obviously, a guy like Jordan Poole's like, I never won one before. This, if you would win this year, <laughs> right. that, yeah, I like this one best because I was here for it. But if, if, if you're the front office, first of all, in ownership, it would be. Um, validation of everything you've done and how you do it, right? It's like we did it a long time ago, and we just stuck with what we knew and how we did things, and we had injuries, and get we have a new arena now, and we have another championship. So I think in that ways it would be sweetest. My guess is for Clay and Steph, and I don't. To me, I think for Draymond more than the others. I'm not even sure why I think that, but the fact that they would have won one without KD, and you know, Draymond loves KD. And I'm not right. saying they resent KD, but just the fact that so many people look at that and say, yeah, who knows what they would have done if they hadn't gotten KD. So all those years later after the first one, after Kevin Durant left to win another championship this year as they're older, when clearly they were the ones carrying the load for that, would that be the fourth championship? Mm-hmm. My guess is it would be the most satisfying for all of them. Well, and, it, and in 2015, look, they were, they were a team on the rise. Did anyone before the year outside of Ethan Strauss expect them to win the title? No. But by by March, maybe earlier, it was clear like, oh, the Warriors are the best team in the league. Like the the Cavs are also really good, but the Warriors they won sixty seven games. That's a really good team. This year it was like, yeah, they were a three seed down the stretch. They did not play good basketball. They really struggled with Memphis. And then all year it was, hey, Phoenix is the team. Phoenix is coming out of the West. The Warriors don't have the horses to beat Phoenix. Not even sure they have the horses to beat Memphis. They beat Memphis. Phoenix doesn't even make it. If they get past the Mavs and then go in and beat the Heat or the Celtics, that to me would be more, it would be satisfying in such a different way that I think would be more enjoyable than 15. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Long ways to go. And, of course, the the... The journey resumes tonight against the Dallas Mavericks team, and they think they have something to say about who's going to win the championship this year, to, to which I say, you guys have had a nice little year. Don't hurt yourselves here. You've had a cute little season, that whole thing beating the Suns. Good for you, but the rest of it, if you think you're going to beat this Warrior team, barring injury, I think it's nonsensical. But I guess we can't blame them for trying tonight, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, like, like all year we heard about how awesome the Suns are, and they blew a 2 nothing lead to the same Mavs team. So I think I, I think if if the Warriors come out in Game Three and just kind of do what they did in the first two games and they just look really good doing it, then okay, cool, we can we can call it over. But um, I, I'm not I'm not ready to put the rubber stamp on this series just yet. Do you have the rubber stamp available? Do you know where it I've is? I've got if you it need dusted it? off. I know exactly where it is. Okay, but I'm not ready to slam it down <laughs> on the right. series just yet. From the five one zero, a title this year would shut everyone up forever. 
And I I get that for the most part. You're always going to have people that quibbles and, well, if they hadn't gotten Durant, but, yeah, you win one this year. That's what I mean. uh, It would be like validation of the Warrior way. The Warrior way. If you win a championship this year, the Warrior way works undeniably. (laughs) Right. Well, and here's the other thing about legacy and titles and stuff. In 20 years, I don't know if the sentiment is going to so much be like, well, those two titles don't count for Golden State. They had Kevin Durant. I think in 20 years, the sentiment is going to be like, man, that was one of the best teams of all time. And they won two titles mm-hmm. in the two years they were healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that's the scope that that's going to be viewed through. I don't think it's going to be like, well, for Steph Curry, he's not as good because those two titles, they had ca-. like, no, nobody goes, well, Larry Bird's titles don't count because of all these great players he played with. No, that's outrageous. That's ridiculous. At that point, you look at the team as a whole. Uh, from the 925, can't believe the lineup with Cousins didn't win a championship. You know, a lot of people say, you know, if Durant's healthy or even if Clay doesn't get hurt, even if KD was hurt, if Clay didn't get hurt, right. that team would have won a championship. They were they were if winning. They the were way- winning. They, if Clay didn't get hurt, they were winning game seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. You look at the way Dallas plays and the way the Warriors play, and I think that's one reason. The way the Warriors play. It's one of the big reasons why they're so successful, but it's also one of the reasons why a guy like Steph sometimes doesn't get maybe as much credit as an individual superstar because they share the ball, because it's player movement, ball movement, because they don't focus any one individual. And uh, to its credit and to the credit of the other players on this team, they've been able to recognize that, all right, you know, I'm going to get enough recognition, two-time MVP, but that's not as important to me as winning games. When Andre Iguodala and someone just took a shot at Andre, and I understand that why people are a little tired of some of his act, but when Andre Iguodala said, you want me to come off the bench? That's going to make us better? Okay. Then that really set the tone for the whole organization that this is how we do things here. We're all about winning. So maybe a guy like Steph doesn't get the credit he deserves individually, but in terms of the all-time great teams, especially if they win again this year, they're right up there amongst the greatest teams of all time. Yeah, they absolutely like that. That is where I just don't think the argument exists anymore. It's like the Kevin Durant era is an, but it's not going to be what defines uh, this core. Vince is in San Bruno. He wants to chat about this being a meaningful year for Golden State. Go ahead, Vince. You're on with Whitey and Kyle. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Great job. Um, you know, I, I think this is a meaningful year because I wanted to ask you guys on the, you know, the topic of potential. You know, potential, I've been told that there's a shelf life and for things to come together, you know, Williams being as good as he is, you know, GP2, uh, you know, Jordan Poole blossoming, you know, the, the injury recoveries of, of Steph and Draymond and Clay. It just, you know, you see players that are able to play, um, you know, just at their potential and the whole concept of selflessness, you know, the philosophy of the Warriors. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, the Bay Area is blessed. Thank you guys. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Vince. Um, yeah, I, that's, it's different in basketball, right, Kyle? I mean, in basketball, when you have the guys that, you know, are core guys that are championship caliber, I think more so than in other sports, you want to hang on to them as long as you can. Yeah. You can look at other organizations. I mean, a great example even is the, the last dance bulls Mm -hmm. and the bulls thought, yeah, we got Jordan. He's great. And Pippen and Phil Jackson, but we're a great organization and we know how to put this thing together and we'll let them go and we'll just rebuild this thing. And what happened? No, no. When you have in the NBA 
players, especially two or three that are championship caliber elite players, they're almost irreplaceable. Irrepla- so yep. you want to get as most out the, every drop out of them that you can. And so I know last year I was on with somebody on the air was saying, you know, they need to break this up and rebuild, but you can't do that. You've got to take it as far as it can go when you have an elite core like the Warriors still have with their veteran core. Yeah, and and it, it makes it especially easy when when guys are out for for stretches, whether it's Steph is out or Draymond's out or Clay coming back into the mix. Like if Clay had had to come back and play with, you know, without Steph and Draymond, like guys that he knows, I think that adjustment period would have taken a lot longer. But the fact that these guys just work so flawlessly flawlessly into this system and they know each other so well from you know a decade of playing together that matters especially in big spots when you're down 19 in a conference finals game having that confidence like yeah I know what that guy's gonna do I know what that guy's gonna do we got this let's ride that all matters and then when you get young guys you know Moses Moody or you get guys coming over like Otto Porter who know that these guys know what's going on these guys have it we're gonna listen to these guys and follow these guys that's why a guy like Otto Porter fits in it's why a guy like Jordan Poole has gotten so much better like all of that stuff matters at the end of the day and i think we're seeing the fruits of that for for golden state from the 408 i was just mentioning that i'll bet it's difficult for steve kerr to adjust or has been he's beyond it now but i i was thinking it's difficult for him to adjust to some of the antics that players practice now including steph with the night night it's just different on the text line kerr played in an era of bird magic mj barkley rodman the pistons i think kerr thinks the trash talking of today is very cute Pinches Steph's cheek. So cute. Yeah, it's different, though. I know that there was trash talking then, but that was like, I'm going to kill you, trash talk. <laughs> and this is more the, you know, dancing on the court. That's what I mean. Because during Kerr's era, if you did something like that against a team like the Pistons, they someone would break your leg. Right. So that's why, I mean, it's an adjustment. Yeah, there was trash talking then, but it was, it was different than the kind of the showy, flashy... The- uh, showmanship that you see in in baseball too now more than you used to. The difference in the in the kind of you know Steve Kerr that that late eighties early nineties era is that those guys were too soft to handle trash talk. So when the trash talk happened or the dancing happened, they had to wallop somebody across the face with a clothesline <laughs> because they were just too soft to handle it. That's what I think. This really? era, much tougher when it comes to dealing with that kind of trash talk and then, you know, the shimmy shaking. I, I, that's my take. I, I will say this. I know there are some people that I'm say, kidding. Relax. I know. I know. I know. Some people say they miss the old days when you had, you know, hard fouls and fights. I think David Stern, I think he did a great job. Uh, ill-conceived, poorly produced, and badly executed. The fact that he pretty that's much got really fighting. good. He got fighting out of the game. And I understand why some people say it's not as physical as it used to be. I think the product is better. I think maybe the pendulum has swung too far now with some of the, you know, flagrant two stuff where you can tell Mm -hmm. it's like, we don't even think it's a flagrant two, but we got to call it. I think it's gone too far that way. But I appreciate that they protect the players as much as they do. And I don't miss fighting in playoff games, especially when it used to get guys ejected from games and series. Yeah, no, totally. And But I also think there's a medium. Because you're right. I think I think in the 80s it got too extreme, and now I think it's too soft. Like, sometimes, dude, a hard foul is a hard foul. Like, let them play. Yes. You don't need to, you, don't need to, you know, every time there's a scuffle, p- review everything, send everybody to their benches. 
You don't need to you don't need to eject players who take two steps off the bench uh to to walk toward a skirmish. Like this is there's it's too soft at this point. So I think there's a medium there because like I said, I think going full blown guys are just throwing punches and boxing on the court. <laughs> <laughs> that takes away from it, but also taking away from it is the, the perfect example game two when they reviewed the Bertans and Damian Lee incident. There's nothing to review. Right. Play I'm on. So I, I, play I, on. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's definitely a space in between the two eras. I was also glad that when Dinwiddie went up, I think it was against Wiggins and it might have been Porter and he goes up for a shot and he ends up with his elbow clocking the defender in the face and yeah. they reviewed it. And it was like, I don't know how he's supposed to shoot that if he doesn't put his elbow there. So, yeah, thank goodness that wasn't uh, that wasn't a flagrant. But uh, I think, Kyle, tonight, and we, we've got Warriors Live coming up, unless Dallas does a much, much better job at the defensive end um, and or the Warriors end up in foul trouble, I think um, I think the Warriors have a great chance to go up 3-0 in this thing. I'm I'm with you. Uh, if you had if you had to bet, would you bet on the Warriors sweeping or this going to seven games? Uh, sweep, no question. Okay, no question. I'm, Kyle, I'm thanks. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being with you. Can't wait to be on with you again. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah, and thank you, Brian. And coming up, John Dickinson joins us from Dallas, and I'll be joining him for Warriors Live next as we get ready for Game Three right here on ninety-five-seven. The game.